Welcome. It's John Pollock, and I'm joined live and in living color by Wei Ting. Wei. Yeah. It's you. You're back. It's been a while. I know. Yeah. You have um, three weeks. I, I missed you. Missed you dearly. Have you really? Yeah, Wei. Well, I've talked to you enough over the past couple weeks. I know. On the, do you, do you think you? Do you think you and I have talked more over the last uh, month than we had in the past six? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, in addition to doing all our shows and then everything else. Yeah. I think you and I should record everything we talk about. Yeah. Everything. Every conversation, every meeting, every... Everything. Uh, we could be a real Truman show. Maybe we should just stream everything. I think that's the way things are going. Yeah. Yeah. We could do this. Yeah. Like, how uh, many people care about our Raw review, but would love to see you walk me up your steps, say goodnight to your dad as I'm walking yeah. to my car, and then follow me on my car ride home Wow, uh, down the, the DVP? They actually call it IRL streaming. In real life? Yes. I've heard of this. Yeah. I don't know too many people that do it, though. I know it's a concept. People that do it just look... Incredibly obnoxious when they're doing it. I feel it loses its probably fun after, what, a day? Who's really uh, chiming in? It's a real hassle to maintain as well. I think just, like, having to hold your phone up basically everywhere. Although, oh, yeah. like, when you like when I was at TwitchCon, uh, people were, like, strapping cameras onto themselves so that they wouldn't even have to hold up their phone all day. It would just be, like... Like a rig, you know, so that you can, like, be, be in permanent selfie. Oh, I'd hire someone. Yeah. They'd just be my documenter. Yeah. Uh, so, I think we're getting to that point. If there's demand for it, maybe we'll start doing that. It'd be so much fun. Yeah. I mean, you... I mean, our site says for life. I mean, our life. True. True, yeah. I mean, we're only giving them two I hours mean, a week. You've been, like, slowly kind of, like, um, you know, putting your feet into the waters of uh, social media. And uh, you've done a great job of it. How yeah. is that Instagram going? Uh, it's great. I'm up to 27 photos now. Wow. Messing around with some filters. What are you averaging? Averaging. How many photos a week? Tops one. <laughs> one to two. Well. You you had a a vacation just is. Vacations are great for photos. Just Instagram. Like oh, I would, my God. Yeah. I base my vacation based around it. Yeah. I mean, um, beyond that, though, like now, I'm totally slowing down like there's there's really nothing to instagram did you see my photo with all those comic books i saw a few weeks ago um which one was that the one uh, with all the comic books no i'm trying to think you uh, don't follow me on instagram, i do follow do you? i do follow you um oh okay yeah I it see, is I see at it i am john pollock yes i do see it the guillermo del toro exhibit this was really cool okay well it was, was at this? it was at the art gallery of ontario and this guy was well, is really out there. Like had the, all these interesting concepts of death. He had this, they had this one exhibit that was his rain room. He would go into this room and he'd work in and it was just set up that it was always, it had these glass uh, windows and it was just constant rain. And he would work there. He's like, I would totally love a rain room. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, well, that's nice. Jeez, let's get going, John. <laughs> I have nothing I'm really to add, tired. Dude. I'm sorry, I have nothing to add to, to that. I don't even know who that is. Did you watch that show I told you about? Uh, no. Shot in the Dark? No, no. I completely forgot you told me about it. That's your homework. No, it's not. Dude, it was so I, good. I, I, dude, I've got enough homework. I, I don't really... I barely have time to watch the shows I want to watch. Wait, you've got to make time for, for well, stuff. What is this life. again? 
Shot in the Dark. It's about these guys that go out. It's three companies in L.A. that just do independent news coverage. They go in the middle of the night to crime scenes, and they try to beat each other to these stories and sell them to the local news outlets. I'll add that to the list. But also on my list was, uh, have you seen the Andy Kaufman, Jim Carrey thing? I did. How was that? I haven't seen it. No, then why are you bringing it up? I just wanted to that. I wanted to tell you these are all the things that I, I I've been meaning to watch but haven't yet. Man, um, I did I watch. Just it. Wanted, I just wanted your thoughts. People are just gonna think I have no life. I just watch all this shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's actually I watched. I started it, and the first half hour, I just wasn't into it. I wasn't grabbed by it. The concept is that it's all this stuff from the set of Man on the Moon, with Jim Carrey pretty much staying in character. And I'm watching this being like, was this just shit shot for the DVD that they're now putting out? I mean, how much is this? Like, this wasn't into it. And then you get Jim Carrey, who's does, he's the main person interviewed in present day about this experience. Mm. And he's phenomenal. He's unbelievable. He talks about how he became this massive star. He had everything he wanted after he made Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. He's like, this guy has everything he wants. And he was miserable. He hated being Jim Carrey. And he talked about morphing into this Andy Kaufman character was a vacation from being Jim Carrey and not wanting to have to go back to it, uh, to being Jim Carrey. So Jerry Lawler's feet, a lot of footage is featured of him in it as well. And just how much of an asshole Jim Carrey was to this guy on the set, which led to Lawler attacking him on the set at one point. Um, it's really hard to just um, recap it. You have to watch it because it's it's Jim Carrey, and you either are really attached to this guy's psyche or you're not. But I found it tremendous. And as legend had it, attended my elementary school briefly. Did Jim Carrey. Is that right? That, that was always the legend. I was hmm. always a little skeptical, but that's what wow. I was told. Ah, you should do some research into that. I could. I could. Wow. I could hire a detective. A lot of alumni from Brain Buff. Uh, this was my elementary school. Oh, your elementary school. Got it. Yes. This was Blessed Trinity. Oh, cool. So that was that. Okay. Any Anything you want to contribute with? Um, I, when, I, when I get time to watch it, maybe I'll start talking about it. But I only recently caught up with like a lot of shows that I've been meaning to watch. And uh, do you, Have you been watching Nathan for you this season? No, I have not. Not at all? Nothing. Oh, man. I've been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I my enthusiasm has been curbed a little. Uh Okay, I need to catch up on that too, but I, I just caught up with the season finale of Nathan for You. And speaking of going to high schools and figuring out who used to live there, this particular season finale is a two-hour season finale. Oh, my God. And it's like, it's not about his typical kind of, uh, you know, helping out businesses thing. It's more of like a documentary about him trying to help this random, um, I guess, Bill Gates impersonator <laughs> who he hired on for a bit. Uh, in, in one of the prior seasons, this Bill Gates impersonator just happens to like, you know, hang around like the offices because like I guess he has nothing else better to do, and he always talks about this like long lost love that he uh, he keeps thinking about, and so Nathan decided to use the show's resources to help him find this woman, <laughs> and um, you know it took it takes him back to his hometown and. They had to stage this uh, whole elaborate scheme to, like, get into the school to, like, dig up the old yearbooks because they wouldn't allow people who weren't parents of students to go in. Um, it is – it's incredible. It's wow. an incredible piece of television. 
And uh, this is the season finale. It is the season finale. Yeah. Is he done the series, or is he going to continue it? I imagine he would, but I mean, like with all these shows, you know, Tom Green, Ali G, it gets tougher the more famous you are. Yeah. So, but uh, I, I mean, they've managed to do what four seasons now. So is I, that it? I think so. Yeah. They take a long time to do. Wow. Brilliant show. Yeah. This has nothing to do with anything, but I just wanted to share it with you. Today I was at Tim Hortons. You know, sometimes people will have a lot of specific things to their order. Today, I heard the weirdest one. This guy was ahead of me, and he ordered a small coffee that he would like in a medium cup. Hmm. Oh, okay. Kind of makes sense. Why? So you don't spill. There's not overflow. I've never spilled coffee from a cup. I have. All the time. Just walking. You know what, what I hate? Shouldn't you have to pay for the medium cup? Like, that is... No. That that costs something. You can pour... You're paying for the amount of coffee, not for the cup size. There's, there's, there's product there. Paper? Come on, it's recyclable. Anyway, what I fucking hate is... You realize, like, paper cups, at least in Tim Hortons, not Dunkin' Donuts, because they use, like, styrofoam, yeah, as far yeah. as I know, but, like, Tim Hortons, there's, like, a paper seam... You know what I'm talking about? Like where the cup is actually joined. And so sometimes like the people putting on my lids when I ask for a coffee, (laughs) they'll put on the lid like there's like a specific way you're supposed to put it on. Okay. And like I think people who work in coffee shops actually know this. Yeah. But often I'll get like my lid put on like an improper way so that like I'll be holding my cup and all of a sudden I notice my fingers are wet. And that's because there's drippage from the seam. Oh, to the outside. Is that what causes You've that? never experienced this. I have experienced this, but okay. I didn't know it was just because the lid was improperly sealed. Well, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's an in, in imperfect technology, but I think it's an imperfect employee. It could be a number of those things, but I do understand. Perhaps asking for a small coffee in a medium cup would solve that problem. Well, now I'm going to start doing that. Actually, I was sandwiched between. Small coffee and a medium cup guy, and triple triple next to me. I was like, "You two are both just nuts." You have a problem with that? Triple triple? It's excessive. Come on. Yeah, but you're not drinking it. No, I'm not. But I'm judging. You can do that. What do you put in your coffee? Just milk? One milk, one sugar. And I, I'm thinking of. I don't want to be that guy that asks for like half a sugar. I just think that's. I try to make it a very simplistic order. At that point, do you even taste it? Why even ask for half? It's a mental thing. Yeah. I think it's good to know it's in there. But wow. I could probably do without the sugar. Why don't you tell the person, hey, just pretend that you're going to put in sugar, but don't really put in any sugar. I just got the Starbucks Christmas blend. And I just drink that black. It's great. It's fantastic. While I was in Japan, actually, like... Um, black Japan, coffee is great. Japan has some really great coffee. Or at least some really great cafes. And, like, I've... Uh, I think Did I think you hear I'm, about places or you just try try dude, out whatever like, you saw? I just walked into random places and, and uh, they all looked incredible and they all had great coffee. So I think I'm starting to acquire a taste just for like the taste of espresso and the taste of like black coffee. That place we went to the other day uh, where we got that cappuccino. Yeah. That thing was incredible. You ever had cappuccino? That was one of the best cappuccinos I've had in my life. In your life? In my life. That 
place is actually right underneath your building. I know. And I've never gone there, except for one other time with you. (laughs) And this time I ordered a cappuccino. Because I went to order a coffee, and he gave me the the look of, we don't serve coffee here, only the finest. One of those European places. Come on, coffee. What is that? It's like, get a proper working men's washroom, was my other comment I was going to make. Did you have to go to the washroom there? I had to use the ladies' washroom there. I, I don't remember. Let's get into Raw. Way, way's about to kick me out. There's, yeah. a, there's a clock here, and it's counting down. Mm-hmm. Knoxville, Tennessee. This was Monday night, November the 27th. The 12-year anniversary way of the 2005 Survivor Series. 12 years? 12 years since the 2005 wow. Survivor Series. Okay. Which took place in Detroit, which is where this coming Saturday's UFC 218 event is taking place. Thanks, man. I that was... is the forgotten Survivor Series way. Yeah. Oh, got... no, 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 now I get it. Now I get it. <laughs> I got to get my mileage yeah, out of Yeah, we need to... Uh, we need to that, just... that review was robbed from me. Yeah. Those three hours are never coming back. We'll get to it eventually. Oh, I'm yeah. going to claim emotional distress from having to watch that event. Roman Reigns comes out at the beginning of the show, and he holds up the Intercontinental title. I swear to God, way... Since we finished our review last Monday night till the moment he walked out with his title, I did not think for a second of this guy as the Intercontinental Champion. I totally forgot that he was the IC Champion until he walked out with his title. I think I remembered just because I had to make like the thumbnail for the graphics. Oh, well. So that's how I, I like, I, yeah, that's how I know. When I finished that review last week, it was just out of, into my recycling bin of my mind and deleted. Mm. Booker says only 16 people have been Grand Slam champion. Only, you say. Did you hear the WWE put out an article about all their Grand Slam champions and they forgot to include JBL, who was none too happy about it? Yeah, I heard. I heard them mention it on the broadcast as well. How childish do you have to be to complain about that? You're a grown man on Twitter complaining about how many belts you've won in a WWE.com article. I guess it's arguable when you're talking about JBL. Cole notes that to be a Grand Slam champion means you've won every title in the WWE. So he has a vastly different interpretation than you or I had last week. Mm. Every title Reigns has won now. We have learned. Mm. He's former Cruiserweight champion. That is not a Grand Slam. Um, A Grand Slam is four. He hasn't won every title, has he? No, but Cole's description was completely off here. I guess every title he's eligible for. He hasn't even won the, both the world titles that are currently that, in circulation. That is true. Has he even won the universal title? He's never won the universal title. Yeah, he hasn't. So, anyway. He hasn't won the SmackDown Tag Team Championship titles, has he? No. I don't Could he get down to 205 pounds? We don't know. Reigns, forget the Grand Slam distinction. He also posted a photo on the WWE's Instagram, which is the most liked photo in the WWE's Instagram history. He is the most grammable. He is the Gram Slammable champion. The Gram champion. <laughs> the Gram Slam oh champion. Oh my god. Wow. If we were naming these, that would be it. That's incredible. The Instagram Slam champion. Yeah. Miz is uh, gone. He's off filming The Marine Six Way. Is he? Are you wow. shocked that they are up to six? And how many has the Miz been in himself? I think he's been in every one since uh, three. Three would be my guess. Wow. He is the Marine. He is the Marine. He's doing that with Becky Lynch and Shawn Michaels, and filming began Monday. There was a mix of boos and cheers for Reigns as he gets set for his promo. He said the Miz ran his mouth too much, 
They showed the footage from after Raw last week where the Shield attacked Miz, put him through a, uh, the table uh, with a power bomb, and Reigns says, you're not going to see Miz for a while. So he's gone. Reigns agrees with Miz that this is a prestigious... <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to be battling this cough throughout this show, so bear with me, folks. Um, Reigns says that uh, this is a prestigious title. It's going to stay that way with him. He's a fighting champion. This is my yard, and this is the title. And anyone can step up and try to take it. So Miz's music plays, but instead of Miz coming out, it's Axel and Dallas here, here, here to avenge the Miz. And then they bring out Elias, who's playing the guitar. He says tonight he's going to take Reigns' title. Reigns agrees to the match and says that Elias might need a neck brace, just like Curtis Axel, after he's done with him. And Michael Cole is really hoping that Kurt Angle makes this title match official. Oh, we'll see. Oh, strap me in for the night, boys. We've got Roman Reigns and Elias as our hook tonight. Yeah. To me, like, um, it, it was more so Roman and Anton that he was sort of creating an open challenge for the Intercontinental Championship. And, um, you know, I think what you notice about a segment like this is that Roman, when he comes out on his own, he definitely got booed a lot on this show as a single star. Um, I feel... Uh, but this was a, a crowd that grew on this guy. Mm, the show. To, towards the, the end of the They had some good tactics match. later. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But it certainly was a much more negative reaction than in previous weeks when he was associated with the Shield. And him making an open challenge thing like this typically receives bigger reactions. Like you think when AJ does it or even when Cena did it. Here... I just don't feel like Roman comes across all that likable as a babyface promo. In, in the end, it was just kind of a meh. Well, remember just not all that long ago when they were doing the feud with Cena, and Cena brought up the line that when you became U.S. champion, you viewed it as a demotion. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a big line in a big promo, and I think that's fresh in people's mind, that this is kind of viewed as not so much Reigns elevating the IC title, it's just Lesnar's gone, and, I mean, that's what they're trying to do. I think people look at it as Reigns is just being thrown this title to keep busy. Then we had Seth Rollins come out, where I don't know when the last time it was we heard Rollins' theme song, but he came out to his theme, which had no screaming lyrics at the top anymore. Burn It Down has been burned out of this this entrance. Hmm. Didn't notice. I didn't notice it when it was there, and I didn't notice when it was gone. Oh, I always remembered it, because it would just stop, and we had to hear goddamn screeching. I can't with my voice impersonate it. Maybe they're changing it for Barnet Town. <laughs> Barnet Town. That's what he said later on. Oh. Well, then we had the funniest throw to break, because Michael Cole explained that Seth is taking on Cesaro, and their partners are he- not here tonight because, quote, Sheamus is taking his annual sabbatical to Ireland and Rollins' partner is on his honeymoon. That was our throw to break. And I'm thinking, what? First of all, Sheamus has an annual sabbatical where he goes to Ireland. Is this a yearly trip for him? I mean, not that I can recall, but sure, why not? Then, when they mentioned Ambrose was on his honeymoon, I thought for sure we were getting vignettes tonight. Oh. I didn't. I guess given the fact that Dean and probably Renee are working Christmas Day this year, they were able to get this Monday in Knoxville off, too. Well, they were married, like, months ago. They were married a long time ago. Yeah. Well, this year, but nonetheless. They're in Hawaii. 
on their honeymoon. So no Seamus or Ambrose on this show. So what we got was Rollins against Cesaro. Booker's finest was at the beginning of this match. Graves, first off, notes that Seamus has been training at SBG Ireland during his sabbatical. Michael Cole then asks Booker that if Rollins beats Cesaro, does that put him and Ambrose back in line for a tag title shot? Just a softball? Booker says, no. (laughs) Graves is just flabbergasted. He was like, how so, Booker? Booker says, it's a good singles win. This has no bearing on the tag division. And before Booker explains to us that there's no point to this match, he just tells Graves, let's just move on. Let's just move on as he's attacked with follow-up questions that just squashes any point to this match that Booker was able to just extinguish in record time. (laughs) Yeah, he really does make some stupid points. It just comes across like he's talking for the sake of talking without necessarily thinking about what he's about to say. Uh, and the others to the just, detriment of the match in this case, I found. Like, you're just telling people, what, what am I watching here? There's oh, yeah. no point to this. He missed the point of the match entirely. And it was to set up a tag title match. Yeah. Like, it was literally done to set up a match next week for the titles. And Booker negated the entire story of this match for 20 minutes. But I'll also say, like, Graves and Cole jumping on him doesn't really help things either. You know, like, if I was him, it's better to just, like, let him say what stupid thing he's about to say and just move on. Instead, they decide to pounce on him and make it a bigger deal than it actually is. Um, I don't, I don't know why this guy still is on commentary. He's like, he's really fucking bad. Is he the worst? You think he's the worst? No, there have been people that have been worse. At least no, no, no. I mean, like of active broadcast, not of all time. Well, I, I mean, put in that I, I guess like, I guess Byron is is you know, oh no, per- Percy Watts. Eh, actually, actually, Byron and Percy are kind of inoffensive. I'll say. You know, but I wouldn't say either are really good. They're just inoffensive. Um, Booker. There's some really bad color commentators. Booker is like entertaining in like a uh, like a so bad it's good type of way sometimes. You're, you're right. Into- like I do get entertained by this guy for my own pleasure. Cesaro had the early advantage. They went through one break. Cesaro caught a high cross and turned it into a backbreaker. This looked incredible. Yeah. I can't believe Tanahashi hasn't tried this with somebody. Like Elgin, to catch him on a high fly flow while the opponent's standing. Mm. This was a great spot, and I almost felt it was like, this is like going to be completely forgotten mm-hmm. after this match. Rollins came back with a bla- uh, blockbuster, selling his back, hit a suicide dive to the floor. We go to another break, come back to a Falcon Arrow spot onto Cesaro for a two-count. Cesaro hit the swing, sharpshooter. Rollins gets out, eats a bunch of uppercuts, then Cesaro jumps off the middle rope into a super kick, and Rollins hits him with what had been called the King's Landing. Cole just called that knee. So maybe uh, Rollins is losing a lot of his prior identity here. Uh, Hit that knee and won the match. (laughs) This one about 18 minutes. Mm, Two commercial breaks. Very good match. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense that they would get rid of that name, seeing as how... He doesn't really have much of a beef with Triple H now, now that he's teamed with him. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's uh, maybe the uh, the King's compliment. Mm. Well, that knee wins the match, and it's uh, Charlie gets into the ring, and contrary to Booker's direction, asks Rollins about the Shield, and said, well, tonight Roman has an icy title match, and Ambrose is away. Is the Shield going in its separate directions? And Rollins says, no. 
Reigns has a match, and Ambrose is on his honeymoon. That's it. He's worried, as he says Ambrose is on his honeymoon, if Ambrose has fallen off the earth, or what if Renee put the room on her credit card? This died. This died so badly. This attempt. He just moved right on. He says Reigns as champion inspires them. <laughs> Ambrose will be back next week. He says that Ambrose and Sheamus will both be back. And says, makes a line about Sheamus attending a weird Irish Mohawk convention in Ireland. This brought back awful memories of his title run when he had to speak. These are guys that just don't really do comedy too well. None. Like, he's really bad at the comedy. Very bad. Yeah. I feel like even, like, somebody like like Dean Ambrose, who you expect to be good at it, I think he has his moments, but, I mean, man, like, it's either that or the material they're given is just really bad. Ambrose gets very bad material, but he has good timing. Rollins gets bad material and has zero timing. Yeah. Anyway. They are invoking their rematch clause next week, so I don't know why he went to all this effort. This was 20 minutes of excruciating work tonight. Oh, momentum. That's and right. he did pick up some momentum and said to believe that, Charles. So we have a tag title match for the Staples Center in L.A. next week. Mm-hmm. And he said he's going to barn the bar down. Okay, I missed that one. <laughs> barn the bar down. <laughs> they recapped 205 last week, and then we cut to Kurt Angle with... Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan, Akira Tozawa, and Mustafa Ali. They bring up the Zone Train, and in a line that I swear to God was uttered, Kurt Angle has never heard of the Zone Train. This has been the entire focus of 205 Live, this group, and he has never heard of this Zone Train they speak of. Swan has to explain this group to Kurt Angle, who apparently oversees this division. Okay, you kid, but I guarantee you there are probably people writing the show who don't know what the Zo Train is. There are probably people who are working backstage who don't know what the Zo Train is, who don't watch 205 Live. Are you telling me like Vince sits down and watches 205 Live every single week? This might have been the promo that has officially ended my 205 Live viewing. It's like, these people don't even watch it. The characters don't watch it. What, what did I spend a, an hour of my time last week watching an entire show of the Zoe Train taking on the baby faces? That was the whole theme of 55 minutes of WWE programming last Tuesday night. So Angle says that during all of this stuff with Triple H, he may have let the Cruiserweight division run out of control. So he books a fatal four-way match for tonight, a fatal four-way match for next week, and then the winners of said Fatal Four Ways will meet in two weeks' time, and the winner of that match will take on Enzo. I know. Forget the fact that last week, 205 Live was all about whichever Zotrain member looks the best would be recommended for the title shot. <laughs> Poor Tony Nice got nothing for his victory last Tuesday. Uh, oh, my God. This, this segment was everything. This segment wow. was everything. And you know what, what tomorrow night is, Way? It's the one-year anniversary of 205 Live oh, debuting. Wow. What a year they've had. Uh, what a year. Damn. It's been unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I don't know if exactly uh, the Cruiserweight title is enough to drive my interest for three weeks, for, for a, a three-week-long tournament to determine a contender of a title that no one cares about. Let's move on to the surprising match of the night. Titus O'Neil, accompanied by Apollo Crews, took on Samoa Joe. This was started, they said, last month as they showed Joe attacking Titus back in October. Yeah, what they mean was, in the meantime, Joe had better things to do. And Now he's getting around to yeah. some loose ends with Titus. 
So Titus runs Joe into the corner to avoid the Coquina clutch. Graves brings up the fact that Titus once sacked Peyton Manning here at the University of Tennessee. They start trading these huge slaps like this was a New Japan match. Titus starts yelling at him to try and bully him. And he's just laying in his shots heavy on Joe. Joe drops him with a straight right, hits him with these downward elbows into the Coquina clutch and submits Titus in 231. And then he submits Apollo after putting him in the Coquina clutch. I thought for two and a half minutes, this was super intense, very physical. They just slapped the shit out of each other. I thought this was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I mean, they were they were attacking each other for real. Uh, or at least it seemed like it was. It felt, it felt like they were just telling each other, just lay it in. Mm-hmm. And it added uh, a realism to the match that I think got... It's the Joe mystique that really was helped here through this. So, I like it. Greatest match of Titus's career, mm-hmm. hands down. Anderson and Gallows did a Cyber Monday promo. Not quite at the Black Friday level, but nonetheless, these guys are good in this role. I feel like these are going to appear on a future WWE DVD detailing the rise and fall of the Bullet Club. Just like cutaways to Gallows and Anderson going from New Japan all the way to WWE shop selling. You know, Anderson going to the finals of the G1, yeah. and now he's selling pushing coupon, certified G. Pushing coupon pendants. codes. <laughs> it's been almost two years in, and like... I understand that these, you know, like I said last week, I see these as kind of opportunities for them to really prove themselves. But, I mean, it's been two years, and you're just getting around to, like, testing these guys right now on TV. Uh, It just makes you wonder if these two would have really benefited from a stint in NXT where I think the WWE would have been able to own them a little bit more and understand who they were a little bit more. I think what really killed these two was the draft because... Their pairing with AJ was, pardon the pun, clicking instantly. Like, they were together for a couple of weeks, and I thought that that threesome was perfect. Yeah, and they're them getting split, I think that I think it hurt AJ temporarily, although he had that Cena feud to springboard into. But these two were just kind of, they went into that New Day feud, if I'm not mistaken, after that. Um, and that was kind of their death knell. They recap. Oh, first we had a K jeweler spot. So they brought back to life Alexa beating Bailey in Bailey's hometown hmm. to s- promote our K jewelers ad. Then they recap the attack last week from Paige, Sonia Deville, and Mandy Rose. And we were setting up for a six woman tag with those three against Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Mickey James. And Sasha comes out. Mickey's music plays. She does not come out. Bailey's music plays. She doesn't come out. Instead, Paige comes out with Mandy and Sonya and asks where her friends are. And they show Mickey in the back, who's grabbing her ankle. Then they cut to Bailey, who's injured her neck. And they assume that now it's a handicap match. And Alexa Bliss, meanwhile, is on commentary, and she sneaks to the back to get away from them. Paige says that she's been hounded over the past week about why she did what she did last week. She was the woman a year ago and single-handedly erased the term diva from the WWE Dictionary. She is the matriarch of the WWE Evolution and showed everyone who she is last week. And the new group is called Absolution. Sounds like a perfume. Sounds like, a, like an album name. Absolution? Like a Christian rock album name. 
This is uh, that's AIW's major show of the year, Absolution. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I like it. We'll see. It's a name. Names grow on you. Um, I assume they did their due diligence. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I would assume so too. Paige uh, then hands it over to Mandy Rose, who says, before there was a boss, the four horsewomen, a goddess or an empress, there was Paige. But they didn't forget. Don't forget about Paige. Then Sonya spoke and says, every woman has pushed the competition and raised the game, and poor Sonya got the what treatment, and says that nothing would have been elevated without Paige, and that's why they have pledged their allegiance. Absolution is going to turn into a whole different women's evolution. Um, first of all, I thought Paige did a very good promo. I thought Mandy was fine, but I think Sonya Deville should be your your silent muscle. I agree. I, I thought felt she was the one that struggled. Yeah, she definitely looks the part, uh, but she was visibly a lot more nervous than the other two. She, though, to her credit, she got wooded, and I think she plowed right through, and uh, that is definitely something to be proud of. So, you know, I thought Paige's explanation, she's essentially taking Emma's gimmick, but obviously, you know, being treated a bit more seriously. I think right she, down to the name, from Emolution to Absolution. Right. I think she really comes across well. Like, she really feels like a breath of fresh air in this division. And I think she's already the best talker on the Raw roster. And I, to me, like, her only competition is Alexa, and I put Paige above her. So, I thought... And that's probably the program. Yeah. I know. Well, though, though they're teasing a lot of programs with Paige. You had Sasha here, later Asuka, and the Alexa attack. So they're kind of attached to every woman on the roster. Yeah. Along with the attacks tonight. But I thought Mandy Rose also sounded good. So, I mean, I I think the, the team looks good together. Uh, and I, I'm into it. I, I like this segment. Paige ends it by asking if Sasha will pledge their allegiance to them. You're either with us or against us. And Sasha goes to attack them. She gets beaten down. And is hit with a jumping kick from DeVille. And then this double underhook slam. Almost like a Pepsi plunge, but not off the turnbuckle. It was the impact buster, wasn't it? Yeah, by Mandy. So, And then the rampage by Paige. So. Yeah, I thought the segment maybe went a little bit long. I feel like once you kind of get into that handicap you know, visual, everybody knows the attack's coming. And maybe, maybe they spent a little too much time talking. But it was also nice to see everybody kind of get their time on the mic. I am not going to complain about anyone going too long when they were preceding this next segment. And that was Bray on the screen announcing he was here. We come back from break. Michael Cole notes it is episode 1,279, which, with Bray Wyatt's entrance, I got bored, justifiably. And I looked up the fact, next October, October 16th to be exact, will be SmackDown's 1,000th episode. Okay. A thousand episodes of SmackDown. Isn't that nuts? Is that it? Well, they're not quite there yet. So that's a lot of episodes. It doesn't seem like it. Oh, Christ. Bray comes out. I was not ready for this. Mentally, spiritually, physically. He starts rambling. He never had a childhood. He never celebrated holidays. I never carved a turkey. No one cared. They celebrate just like they want you to. They tell you what to buy, who to love. He just played all of his hits. So anyway, 
Then he complains that the people never listened to him, which was an accurate statement. He says that our suffering brings him joy. His eyes are wide open, and he can finally see us for what we truly are. He says, none of you are alive. You're all dead. And he replies over and over and over again that we're dead and ends with Matt Hardy interrupting him. Mm-hmm. The only thing I think is dead is the Sister Abigail character. Yep. Where's that? Well, <laughs> did he not celebrate Thanksgiving with Sister Abigail? Did he not carve a turkey? He would have had to do it with himself, I guess. Oh. Yeah, uh, no real effort at all to change the character, which tells me that they either are are really just stubborn or they don't see much of a problem at all. Oh. It's dreadful. Bray took on Matt Hardy. Cole says that Matt is having a hard time coping with a rough patch in his career. We'll explain when we return. Graves notes it's not the normal Matt. He's struggling without Jeff and recently snapped on Elias. Hardy got out of the way of a senton, fought back, hit a bulldog, came off the middle rope and was caught, blocked a urinagi, hit the side effect, goes to the top, missed a moonsault, and Bray hit the sister Abigail to pin Matt in 3 minutes and 30 seconds. The match was whatever. Afterwards, Hardy is left inside the ring. And the crowd starts chanting Hardy. And he starts screaming. And then he starts chanting delete, which the announcers just stood silent for. They didn't acknowledge this. And Cole asked if we are witnessing a Matt Hardy breakdown. And after all this time, Way, it looks like broken Matt Hardy is not that far away. I mean, we'll see. This felt pretty conclusive. Yeah, I mean, so did the last several times too, right? We'll see. You're right. But uh, this did... This was a focus shot. This is the character's direction. This is not just doing the chant for the sake of it down the aisle or to do a comeback. Yeah, I know. But we've also had the same thing several weeks ago. So who knows? It may be in a week's time Vince decides not to do it. But I, I do think that this is... They have to have something concrete, in my opinion, in order for them to want to decide to go ahead with something like this. So they also did a dot com thing where uh, Matt has been teasing that he's been reaching his breaking point. So maybe Rebby was also it. posting a bunch of uh, delete gifts. Yeah. So that was uh, we'll the see. main thing coming out of this. Now, the question is. Do you bring Jeff back as part of this? Or is this these no. two going their separate ways? I mean, Jeff's not going to be back for a long time, right? He's out for a few months, yeah. Not anytime soon. I think you... The only reason you do this now is because you can't do the Hardy Boys thing anymore. And Jeff and Matt Hardy as a single star is kind of worthless without the gimmick. So you let him ride this out with the gimmick. And when Jeff comes back, do the feud. With those two? Yeah. Oh, with Matt and Jeff? Yeah, what's wrong with that? Uh, Jeff Hardy's a babyface. You're going to bring him back as Brother Nero? I guess Matt Hardy's a babyface. I don't know if Matt's going to be a heel out of all of this. Yeah, I guess you could do Jeff as Brother Nero. They replayed Kane's attack on Braun's throat from last week. Jason Jordan is with his father. Did you see the Q&A or read any about it of Kurt? He had to do this Q&A. And I was reading some of the answers from it, and they were asking him about... He, he was answering it in character and referred to Jason Jordan as his son. And then he's like, he laughs. He's like, 
I can't believe I'm saying this, as he refers to his son. And then he just stops with the facade, and he says, I really hope this storyline ends in a match with me and Jason. I think it's hard to argue that he isn't one of the top three wrestlers in the company. So it's like, okay, uh, Kurt, you're going a little, yeah. it's a little high praise. But nonetheless, uh, a match seems to be the direction Kurt wants with this. So he's with Jordan. He says he was looking forward to a rematch with Braun tonight, that being Jordan. And Jordan thinks that Kurt is questioning his injury and how legit it is. And says everyone on social media has been bothering me about it. He's going to silence his doubters and he'll face Kane tonight. And says he is 100%. So Kurt books him in a match with Kane. Mayoral candidate Kane headlining in Knoxville. In Knox, where he's running. Were the it's other incredible. candidates allowed equal time on this show? Yeah. Like, this seems a little... Like, this is almost Sorry. campaigning. Is he in Knoxville, or is he running... Knox in... County is within Knoxville. Oh, it is. Wow, that's... I, I'd love to see the reaction. Did you hear the chants during the main event? Yeah. Yeah. They were chanting, let's go mayor. Oh, that's what they that's were chanting. That's what they were chanting. Oh, ah, yeah. I see. Gotcha. We had our first of two fatal four-ways coming up. Rich Swan, Akira Tozawa, Arya Davari, and Noam Dar. Swan and Tozawa are having this awesome sequence, and Booker says, you're never going to see Enzo do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Swan hit a Topekan hero to all three on the floor. Enzo's seen watching backstage, yelling at all this dumb stuff that Swan's doing. Swan went for a somersault and got caught by a Divari spinebuster, which Michael Cole said, just like Arn Anderson to Dolph Ziggler at Starcade on Saturday night, which if you don't follow the WWE website, what a line to hear just out of context on Monday Night Raw. What? 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 On Saturday, Starcade? Swan gets knocked off the apron to the floor. They did a double vertical to Swan on the floor. Then Tozawa hit a suicide dive to Dar. They took turns with each guy. Tozawa went for a shining wizard to Davari. Climbs to the top, hits the senton. Dar sends Tozawa into the post. Swan made a save. Then Dar and Tozawa are left in the ring. There's a running kick. Swan pulls Tozawa to the floor, high kick off the apron, and Swan hits the Phoenix Splash, pinning Noam Dar, and he will advance in the Cruiserweight Tournament, the impromptu tournament, to meet the winner of next week's Fatal 4-Way, which I think is going to end up being Cedric and Swan, the partners. Hmm. Good match. All these guys are just awesome, but um, I find it just kind of tough to care about the outcome because Swan and Cedric at the end... I don't care to see either guy win the t- title. Well, just the, the title shot. Yeah. The title's another obstacle that they'll have to go for. Uh, I thought especially Tozawa and Swan were really good in this. Elias is in the ring. This is then the second hour. And he wrote a song dedicated to The Miz and starts singing. He has to start over, just agitating the crowd. He calls it The Miz Tourage Blues. And then in the darkness in the ring, Dallas and Axel appear with harmonicas and start playing Diesel's theme song from 95. And Elias continues with a third song, and this led to We Want Roman chants. It was... It was dubbed harmonica. It was a dubbed harmonica. Oh. Yeah. Well, I didn't... I didn't, don't have an ear for these things. I was fully ready to give a lot of credit here to Dallas and Axel for It's that. pretty... It's not that easy to play harmonica. Oh, I know. Well... I guess we're going to get these guys paired with Elias for the foreseeable future. Yeah, sure, why not? Roman Reigns versus Elias for the IC title. This started very slow. This was something out of uh, like a mid-80s house show match. Long chin lock by Elias. 
Elias is in control as he transitions to a headlock. Axel gets on the apron to distract, and then Elias lands a flying knee for a two-count. They go to a break. Reigns then nails Dallas with a Superman punch on the ground, eyes Axel with his neck brace on, and spears him anyway. Elias comes from behind, sends him into the post, and then back into the ring. He hits an elbow off the top for a two-count, a sit-out powerbomb for a two-count, and then Elias comes off the ropes taking a Superman punch. He kicks out. Cole says that we have learned tonight that Elias is a player. And Reigns fires up. He goes for a spear, runs into Elias's knee, recovers, hits the spear on the second attempt, and beats Elias with the announcers going overtime to put over Elias and this match. Yeah, I mean, I thought it exceeded expectations, this match. Yeah, I thought this was, I think in front of another crowd, they might have really turned on this, but this crowd didn't. And, I mean, it was a pretty simple match, just built around a few key kickouts and... Um, it was fine. I, I'm not going to rave about this match, but it was... I it, thought it did its job in setting the tone for this IC title open challenge. Yeah, like I think it achieved what they wanted. Yeah. And they, they had a good crowd for it. The, I think what they're trying to replicate is that Cena open challenge, and what I think mm, made that whole thing work was the fact that you had back-and-forth battles depend, between the champion and the challengers, no matter what the rank the challengers were. And it seems like that, you know... They were trying the same thing with Elias here. As Reigns is going up the ramp, Joe attacks him, applying the coquina clutch, and puts Reigns out. He has to be separated by officials, and that appears to be the direction they're going with Joe and Reigns. Yeah, I hope Joe <laughs> is actually uh, somebody that they had planned for a lengthy um, challenge with um, Roman Reigns and not simply the next guy he's going to defeat in this open challenge deal, because I think Joe would be perfect for this open challenge concept, defending a belt every week in an amazing match. Yeah, and I mean, they do have a lot of time before the Royal Rumble, so I don't know. You should prolong this. Maybe this is going to be something that they hold off until that Christmas night show, which I think is going to be uh, probably the least watched Raw of the year, but they're going to attempt to put something special on it. Hmm. I, I feel, I'm curious how much they build up that show. What a Santa Claus match. Oh, we'll get that too. Maybe with, uh, maybe Braun. Joe and Reigns. As dressed as Santa? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a tremendous idea. When we came back, they had a, a lower third up promoting the NXT TakeOver tickets for January in Philadelphia. And the graphic reads, tickets on sale this Saturday. And Michael Cole has to correct the graphic and state that tickets are going on sale this Friday. Not what the graphic says. <laughs> oh my God. What a blunder. Booker T did the graphics. Maybe. He should have just thrown it, piled it on Booker. Yeah. This is, uh, I don't know, this is very sloppy. Then we had, we had the best Titus O'Neil match ever. Then we had the best Dana Brooks segment ever. Asuka comes out, and then Dana Brooks music hits. And we get an insert promo from Dana, who's been watching last week's match over and over, and she found the biggest hole in Asuka's game. She's a slow starter. Don't blink an eye. And the bell rings, and you knew from the promo where this was going, and Asuka just hits a flying armbar and taps her out in five seconds. Yeah, I really Never has an insert promo been used so effectively. Yeah, I like this really fast setup and really fast execution, and essentially it was kind of a fun comedy bit that helped push Asuka. This was so wild that Cole called it an, the Asuka lock during the replay. This was great. Mm -hmm. I thought this was really... Really well done. 
Then Paige, Mandy, and Sonya return, and they circle the ring with Asuka. And Absolution backs off as Asuka smiles, and then she leaves. And teasing stuff with Asuka as well. So Absolution is involved with every woman on the Raw roster, in essence. And I think you'll see the same thing with the SmackDown. Yeah, I hope they differentiate the two groups this I week. I think it's intentional, though. The oh, fact that why? Probably because they're going to collide at some point in the future. The fact that they had visuals so... I mean, visually, both teams look exactly alike. Um, and even the, the pose at the end of, of the show last week was the same. So I don't think any of it is unintentional. What can their name be? Um, it's... I guess maybe what's the opposite of absolute? Uh, ambigu ambiguation? Ambiguity. Ambiguity. Sure. Buy me a t-shirt. They promote the tag title match for next week, and then Jordan comes out, and he gets into the ring and talks about the speculation on social media about how injured his knee really was last week. He's going to prove everyone wrong and do what Braun Strowman couldn't do last week, and that is shut down Kane. And he felt a pop in his knee last week, but he's back to 100%. So yeah. the mayoral candidate comes out. The mayoral candidate. And then we get a Kane for mayor chant. Kane tosses Jordan to the floor, and he grabs his taped-up knee in pain, and he's counted out in a minute 43. Kane continues to beat on him after the match, and then Finn Balor comes out. They were portraying Jordan, though, not as much of a coward as I would say previous weeks. In fact, they had him doing really well against Kane to start, and him getting tossed out to the floor almost felt like... He's a quitter. He quits at the yeah. first sign of any struggle. I mean, I, I, maybe that's what they could have been going for. I, I didn't necessarily get that sense. I felt like they were really trying to show that this was a legitimate injury and that he was trying to persevere in spite of this injury. To me, it didn't seem like he was being portrayed as much of a coward this week. I wonder what the long-term play is. It's almost as though they're constructing Jason Jordan as the anti-Kurt Angle. The one that gives up at the sign of an injury. The one that does quit, as opposed to... Like, it's everything that Kurt Angle's pedigree is not. Yeah, it could be. Sure. They should have him break his neck and actually quit. Like, God, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I've, I've got four more years. I can come back in 2000. Yeah. What a coward. <laughs> WrestleMania. Tough. <laughs> See you next year. Well, he should be quitting when you are when you have injuries like that. Hey, he's, he's a smart... Like, what they should be teaching people is that, yes, you should stop with whatever physical activity that you're attempting to pursue yeah. when your health is... He's not taking that fight far. with Calvin Gastelum three weeks later. Yeah. So Finn Balor comes out, and that's our next match. Kane against Finn Balor. The match is made during the break. This doesn't go very long. Kane attacks him on the floor with a chair, and the DQ is called in 246. He continues to beat Balor with the chair, puts it around his neck, climbs the turnbuckle when Braun returns. I felt this was so pointless, having Balor out here. You had two non-finishes in a row. Uh, Strowman, yes, I know that you can't have Strowman come up for a babyface save on Jason Jordan. Um, I just, I just, it just leaves you with such a bad feeling in your mouth when you're watching a main event of Raw and you're given two bullshit matches with two bullshit finishes. 
But two guys that I, I don't feel people are too hot on at the moment. Or at least they don't come across on this show as very significant. I, I feel Jason Jordan is more of a priority at the moment than Finn Balor. Oh, yeah. 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 So Strowman no-sells a chair shot from Kane. Kane starts to back off and Strowman attacks him, splashes him in the corner, attacks Kane with the steps on the floor, more chair shots, and then he lifts up Kane, power slams him on top of the steps. The crowd chants one more time at the man that's going to be running one of their counties. You know how crazy this would be? Imagine this was the guy that could be the mayor for some of these people. Do you know who the president of the United States is? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine, like, one of our previous mayors? This would be like him uh, arm wrestling with Hulk Hogan. Do you know how ridiculous that would be? That wasn't even his top 50 most ridiculous moments either. Yeah, he's done a lot worse than that. Um, he, draw, he then takes the chair, sets it up on the throat of Kane, and rams it into the steps, and then does it a second time, and Kane is choking, retreats in pain, going through the crowd, Bronze music plays, and you laughed about it last week. How is there not a voice box for Kane that's, after this? That's so true. If that's the result, I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in. He's got to bring back the voice box. I would love it. That was raw. Yeah, I thought the entire final segment really dragged. Kane had like three different opponents here, and by the end, Balor's involvement just seemed totally uh, forgettable. And, and uh, I think Kane and Strowman is, uh, you know, is somewhat of a spectacle that I think attracts a, a, a you know, a good amount of attention. Uh, but I really only see it as far as, you know, going, going as far as maybe like a TV main event. Yes. I don't see it as any type of real marquee match for a pay-per-view. Um, I don't know if any of the current programs have legs until the Royal Rumble. I think you're going to see all these feuds blown off on TV. Like, I could see Hunter working with even Angle at the Rumble. Joe and Roman would be something that they they seem to be cooking up. Whatever Matt Hardy is doing, it looks like he's going to be... Do you think he'll be feuding with Bray, or will it be Elias? Uh, Matt? Yeah. Oh, I hope it's not Bray for his own sake. Right. I think that could get awful. Yeah, uh, but beyond that, I mean, I'm actually, the thing that, that I probably enjoyed most about the show was, was the stuff with uh, Absolution. I think... Uh, they did a good job with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're doing. I think that division kind of needs a bit of a, a boost, and Paige is a very welcome uh, return. So that was Raw. On a scale of 1 to 1,000, what do you give this show? About 1 to, like, 1,600 whatever, however One, many episodes. 1,247? Yeah, uh, I give this maybe a, I don't know, maybe like a 700. This is a, this is a 700 show for you. Sure, oh. why not? It um, was like maybe 50, 60%. I'm going 560. Oh, below. Yeah. It's a failing match. Or a failing uh, show. Yeah. I thought there was more miss than must watch on this show. Uh, so next week, skippable, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people skipped it. I mean, honeymoons and sabbaticals. I mean, Dean Ambrose, the guy who prides himself on being the uh, Iron Man of the company that works all these dates. This was the week uh, he chose. Yeah, Knoxville. Yeah, I, know. I don't blame him. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they're having. A I wonder if Renee insisted. I don't know if yeah. Dean's the kind of let's go to Hawaii kind of guy. But now I have something right. in common with Dean Ambrose. You we both, both had our honeymoon in Hawaii. Yeah. So. 
Congratulations. And, and you both dated, couple. you both married Canadians. Uh, we did. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up this review of Raw. So we hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, wait, when am I going to be talking to you again? You'll be talking to me Wednesday for review or, or, or SmackDown review. review. Yes, yeah, that's right. Review, yes. comma, SmackDown. Well, Got to get used to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, I'll be, we'll be back for that. And uh, what else? Are we chatting about anything else? Oh, Is not 205 any? Live. I just don't feel I'm going to. You're going to watch Table for Three with Ric Flair? You know what? I, I kind of want to watch that. That They were plugging the Table for Three after Raw with Flair before all the health stuff. I mean, it was mm. obvious seeing them there. This was way before. It would have been WrestleMania time. Right. With Sting and Steamboat. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that would be pretty good because the last one with Flair was not good. You had such a weird mix with Flair, Randy Orton, and Bruno San Martino. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't have more different personalities than Flair and Orton with Bruno. There's also one of those segments where you feel like you could just sit down with one one of those guys and get a lot more out of it than having, you know, three people talk a little bit about themselves. Yeah, the table for three, sometimes they're very, like, they're so heavily edited, like, you don't yeah. get a free-flowing conversation. It's true. I don't know why they're so adamant about just capping it at 20 minutes. It's, uh, anyway. It's format, I guess. Yeah. Who's in this one? Flair, Sting, and... Steamboat. Steamboat. Yeah, so I think that one will be pretty good. Yeah. So maybe we'll check that out and we'll chat about it Wednesday. Um, there's a shot I might have to come here on Wednesday. Is that totally I, fine? I've got people coming into. Oh, if I could tell you about my water pipes, it's a disaster. You're welcome here anytime as long as I'm here. Even when I'm not here, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, I'll, I would love open. to do a table for three. Table for three, our version with your dad. I don't know. We won't edit any of it be way longer than 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay, well, you get some rest, and then you catch up on some Shot in the Dark. That is my highly recommended series. And if this wrestling shit doesn't work out way, it's our backup. Okay. Okay? Gotcha. So I think we could have some fun. You catch up on Nathan for you. I will I will track down. It's a two-hour season finale, two hour you season said? finale, yes. Okay. When did this air? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll search it out, way because that's what I do. When you recommend something, the world stops. That's it for us. You can follow us at I am John Pollock at Way zero nine three seven on Twitter, on Instagram, J- John and Way four dot life. There's lots of stuff, easy mm-hmm. ways to follow us, mm-hmm. and we will speak with you on Wednesday morning after AJ versus the Sin Brothers and Owens versus Orton.